everybody, and welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Yes, we say friends today because we are joined by friend of the show, Sara Elarifi. You know, last time we spoke to her, the hi, Sara. I mean, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to have you return. It's been almost a year now. Last we spoke to you, it was like literally we were recording the day before the final strife was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so, so fresh-faced. <laughs> but, you know, I we love that interview, and you know, we got a lot of positive feedback from it. And since then, you've been rather busy, Sarah. You've become a Sunday Times best-selling author for the final strife. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah, so. it's kind of wild. It is, it, it, it is really strange, I think, about a year ago. Um that we last spoke and it was such an incredible time and thank you so much for inviting me back on this is literally oh thank you one of my most fun interviews so oh well that's awesome to hear i mean we had such a great time last time it was like we gotta get her back and we were so excited (laughs) that thank you for being so quick with coming out with the battle drum i mean one one a year i know with fantasy (laughs) authors these days we can take that for granted sometimes but you did it (laughs) I did. I actually finished the battle drum before the final, the first draft of it before the final strife was out, which Mm. is great because I needed to do that in order to sow the seeds of the whole trilogy in the first book. It was really important to me to like have that kind of plot laid down. So I knew that before that they, before they printed the final strife, I needed to know exactly what I needed to lie, uh, lie in wait, I guess, uh, for the next book. (laughs) Well, it definitely shows up. You can tell how prepared you were, uh, (laughs) how things that were foreshadowed in the first book are showing up in the second book. We won't get into details here because of spoilers, but uh, I will say it shows that you were ready to go. (laughs) And I also want to say on on our last interview, that that has to be the most people that have reached out to us to say that they went out and bought oh. the book of uh, any <laughs> interview you, that we've done. So, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for giving such a uh, an insightful interview, making us look good. And, uh, yeah, thank you, listeners, for going out and buying the final strife. And, and you can't go wrong with picking up the battle drum next. So, yeah, mm, thank thanks, you. guys. Right. For those of you who didn't listen to our last episode, one, go check that out with us and Sara. Um, but secondly, just so you know, Sara Elarifi is the Sunday Times bestselling author of the Ending Fire trilogy. And that's why we're here today. Book two, The Battle Drum, releases May 23rd. So you still have some time uh, to catch up. And she's also working on her upcoming Feybound, which we have questions about. As yeah, well, of course. <laughs> so absolutely. I mean, it's been a year. What? Like, walk us through kind of the process of, like, because right when we were interviewing you, the book was about to come out, right? So I'm sure those couple weeks afterwards were crazy, where the book came out and word was coming in that, you know, hey, how do you find out you're a Sunday Times bestselling author? How does that work? Oh, it was a really wild day. So um, so the first week of sales in the UK only only counts for three days. So if you're going to make 
Sunday Times bestseller list, it only it is literally the three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then your publisher finds out on a Tuesday morning, but there's some sort of embargo that the authors can't find out until Tuesday afternoon. So I was meeting my publisher on Tuesday morning, they had invited me to, to the office. My agent had had COVID on my um, publication day, so she couldn't come. So it became like a, an almost a mini celebration with her on the Tuesday. And um, so she came into the office. And so it's a really strange feeling, like everyone around me knew, but I had no idea. And I knew that they <laughs> knew, but they couldn't tell me. So I was like, did I make the list? And everyone's like, we can't say and they and their poker faces were so good I was like okay well I didn't I just assumed I was like I didn't make the list and that's okay because I didn't you know I'm a debut author that has written this like mad book that's so ultimately anti-publishing in so many ways like it's not the traditional mm -hmm. fantasy that you expect that someone somewhere like half half Collins in the US at UK and Penguin in the U US would actually publish. So I never expected it to go big. And um, so I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm having a great time. I'll drink my mimosa <laughs> and I'll go home. <laughs> and um, and then I got a call from my editor. She, she called both me and my agent and said, you've hit the list. You are number four. Um, you know, you, wow. you got within the top five. I was only six copies from number three. <laughs> that was number three. <laughs> um, I can't remember now. It's it's often contemporary. I think it definitely wasn't Richard Osmond, but it was someone, someone big contemporary. Um, I've got it on my wall, actually. I'll have a look six later. But um, it was, yeah, I was six. So I was like, oh, uh, damn, damn. We but, should have know. done a little bit more <laughs> social media work for you, Sarah, and spreading the word of our episode. I, I mean, that's within range of the FDI. Yeah. <laughs> we could maybe sell six books yeah that's true <laughs> um but yeah I was I was so over the moon it was just incredible and yeah it, the, the buzz of that really hasn't worn off like I think there's the thing with publishing is that there's so many things there's so many pitfalls there's so many moments that are really actually quite difficult and hard to get through um but I honestly every morning I wake up and I'm like you are so successful and like maybe I'm not as successful as some authors and it's true like I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely nowhere near the scale of super commercial books um like you know I didn't I didn't hit the New York Times and um in the US obviously um and uh you know I, I I haven't sold huge amounts of copies but I choose to wake up and be like but you've sold anything you know like I choose success okay. every morning well, and that's that's buzzing for me because it's like yeah wow I did it. Significantly more than anything. Uh, you sold quite a bit. And like you're saying, you're a debut author. And we've seen yeah. kind of like, I'll, I'll bring up Rebecca Kwong, who, who we saw yeah. you hanging out with. Uh, yeah. It's like, we've seen how oh, she wrote the Poppy War trilogy. And of course, it yeah. was uh, very successful. And then all of a sudden, she's coming out with Babel and number one on the New York Times bestseller list. So yeah. uh, I think you've got the momentum and you've certainly got the... Uh, the time to get up to those kind of points. I'm sure it's it's tough to set your expectations anywhere near uh, that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we believe in you. We were I mean, saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys, I love you guys so much. Um, yeah, I think I am. I am really. I am so. Yeah, it, it even. I'm not even setting expectations, honestly, for my career. I'm just like, you keep doing you keep enjoying what you're doing keep writing um 
and it is it's just a crazy a crazy world like even when we talk about Rebecca Quang like the Poppy Award wasn't a huge success it was only in the in the last I think it was like the last four years um that it kind mm-hmm. of blew up which I'm so grateful because that's an incredible series um yeah. but it's it is it and that's the thing with publishing it's just so strange because books have a life like they they live on that's not like that first moment and I I've had you know the best start I'm a Sunday Times bestseller so yeah I'm I'm really lucky and I'm so grateful for it I mean yeah as you should be it's great to see all these like it's interesting to see now in like the fantasy genre in particular all the new voices kind of popping up and and all these yeah. new kind of settings and themes and trends that are becoming super popular on social media and and in the fantasy genre as well. And your books and, and your story kind of align with all of that in such a interesting way. I mean, you told us the incredible story last time you were here about how you were able to get published and the support that you had and just what was going on in the world at the time you were shopping the book yeah. around. And it seems like you've really kind of, you know, the timing was excellent and, you know, you were ready. And it's great to see how authors, you know, all their stories are different, but they all come together. And like, you know, you're telling your voice, you worked hard at it for years and then you got the timing right. And then it just kind of, and it works out. So. Yeah. Really yeah. It, 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 I'm glad it worked out because, well, at the same time, I'm like, but then I did have that, you know, like you said, like the 14 years prior to that trying to get it right. to work out. So, um, yeah, I. <laughs> we can't discredit so those 14 years. I know, I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember we were talking about the idea of overnight success. And yeah. then it's like, well, it can feel that way when the final yeah. strife went through this very quick process. But it's like, that's that's 14 years worth of overnights to, uh, exactly. of preparation to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So as we've like, you know, you become a Sunday Times bestseller that got us through from when we recorded to like what Tuesday. So (laughs) still a long, long year left to go. Um, We we saw you kind of uh, find your presence on social media, which was super fun. Um, You saw you hanging out with some cool people. We we mentioned uh, RF Kwong a little bit earlier ago. Um, but what what was that like? What kind of press and tours were you doing in that year? Because it seemed like you were traveling all over the place, doing book signings. We were following your Instagram and clubs. <laughs> Yeah, no, we were watching. We're like, oh, she's with Rebecca Kwong and Samantha Shannon. <laughs> uh, rubbing shoulders with the best. It's true. I've been I've been so lucky. I think um, even the last kind of two years, the biggest shift in you know. Well, I'm coming up to three three years now being a full time author, but in terms of um, how my life has changed, is the community around me. And so, um, when I first sold, it was the pandemic, and in, in terms of lockdown, we were very much couldn't leave the house for like a year and a half. And so, I was just sitting on my own at my desk, just like with my cats. Um, and <laughs> then I was really lucky to find kind of a London presence. So there's um, a few authors that live really close to me. So I found out some other Shannon live nearby. And I still remember that, recount that moment where we met and we, we're really great friends now. We we see each awesome. other all the time. And um, Tasha Suri, who lives really close, um, Kate Dillon, Kat Dunn, there's so many incredible authors that live within range of meeting up twice a week or three times a week or um you know, having that community of like colleagues has been really incredible. So what kind of came off the back of that was 
oh, um, why don't we do this panel? Or or people will approach us and go, oh, we know that you guys are friends. Do you want to do this? Or um, which has been really incredible. So we've had like a sustained, just sustained events going throughout the year, which has been great. Um, it does feel, yeah, it is really mad sometimes when I think back to like three years into now. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just off on a writing retreat with. Uh, Becca Kwong and, and Samantha Shannon and <laughs> even that sentence is just wild to me um, right. and I'm so so grateful that you know these these authors have kind of like taken me under their wing and been like so the publishing industry is crazy isn't it I'm like yeah it's crazy <laughs> so, um, it's just been incredible because actually what what I've realized is as authors we're all just so like deer in headlights most of the time even though we'll have a presence where we come across super confident most of the time we're just like screaming with anxiety and I think that connection has been so important to me so I guess over the last year that has been a real big shift and you know writing in town in London um with a lot of writers in cafes um doing a lot of events because that's the thing it doesn't stop like release week was incredible um I did events and then I, I flew out to New York and met my publishing team, which was incredible as well, and did a signing tour around there. Um, and then, yeah, it just didn't stop. That's like a random <laughs> festival here or a random event here. Or um, I occasionally moderate as well, which has been really fun. Um, yeah, it's been a lot. But at the same time, balancing the fact that I need to write lots of books. So we mentioned Feybound um, earlier. So that was my new the first book in a new trilogy and that was actually sold before the final strife came out wow. um wow. which is, is is really unusual situation i find myself in these weird situations all the time but like, like, <laughs> <laughs> so essentially my editor we were in a marketing meeting for the final strife and my editor said what's your next idea and i was like can we get the first idea out maybe <laughs> um and i said to her i'm really i where you know the final strife was very much like a you know, two fingers up to the the traditional fantasy genre. I want the next trilogy to be my favorite elements of the fantasy genre, but mm. turned on its head. Um, so I'm I've always been obsessed with elves ever since you know Lord of the Rings. Um, right. Fay in particular, like Midsummer's Night's Dream, was my favorite um, Shakespeare play growing up. And mm. um, I say growing up, I wasn't some sort of child that re read Shakespeare <laughs> in my <laughs> early twenties. <20s. laughs> um, it was a uh, yeah. It was one of those plays I really I I loved, and I just remember thinking about Puck and and the Fae and how I could kind of incorporate that into an entirely new world. And so I I I kind of garbled that nonsense at her, and I said I've got something to do with drum magic, um, and <laughs> I I want to do something with elves and Fae, and I want it to be so diverse. Um, and she said, I want that. I just want to buy that right now. And I said, "Are you joking?" <laughs> and this was this was March twenty twenty two. This was last March, okay. <laughs> so it was literally a long time, a very long time ago. And then um, the deal was done a few months later. And then she said, "I need it in six weeks." <laughs> oh, what? does she know how books? Are Wait, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six that weeks. nervous laughter was literally me. So there was. Um, uh, a certain edition that I can't talk about that 
uh, came, you know, we were really lucky that Feybound's going to have some some great additions. Um, mm-hmm. And that meant the time scale required me to finish it really quickly. I, see. I, see. I say finish it, mm-hmm. also start it because I haven't <laughs> started it. Wow. So, if, so what you're saying is that because of like book production, you were, you were yes. um, writing this book within huh. a six week time period, start to finish? Yes. Yeah, oh, start to finish. Yeah. Feybound was... was written in, in six weeks. Um, what was a typical day in your life during that <laughs> six week period? That's, so, that's what I want. So, to know. I would cry and then I'd cry some more. <laughs> While you're writing, because that's the yeah, only just, way. <laughs> um, what is also wild was that I was editing the battle drum because the battle drum actually wasn't fully finished in, 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 in until its final form. Um, I think January this year. So I was still editing that. Um, um, I was doing a master's degree, um, which I'm still doing. Um, so that required me to be in 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 town two days a week. So that's like two full days taken out, and then um, and then everything else was writing Feybound. So um, I'm actually a really fast drafter. Um, I don't really know, you know, I had no idea what this plot was going to be. I had no idea really the genre. All I knew that I knew that I wanted to, it was a war-torn state. I knew that it was going to still have the feel of epic fantasy. I knew that it was going to be, you know, ev- all the things I loved about the final strife as well. Like it was, it's so me. It's, um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I smile because I had so much fun in the six weeks. I know it was insane, but it was also just fun. Um, and I just wrote between two and 3,000 words a day um, and wow. just powered through it. And the, the, the manuscript was a hot mess. It was awful. Um, but I sent it to my editor, uh, to my agent, actually. I said, can you can you read this? Because I know this needs to go over to my editor. Um, she read it. She gave me some tips. And then I re-edited it within a couple of weeks. And then I sent that to my, my editor. So, um, and then I actually had a very smooth process with that. It was... Um, one structural edit and straight into line edit. So it was unlike the final strife, which is like, oh, felt like forever editing that one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a, so that's what I've been doing for the rest of the time. Also writing book three in the final strife trilogy. So. Yeah. Wow. That's a, a testament to your work ethic for sure. And also like to your publisher for like basically betting on you and your success, yeah. right? Like, I'll, they probably knew you were going to be a huge success trying to lock you in early before you become the Sunday <laughs> Times bestseller. But even still, you can't even like assume that that would ever happen. And, and yeah. so the fact that they had that strong of a faith in you to lock you in yeah. another series is is really telling and uh, exciting. I yeah, it's, it's it actually <laughs> incredible. It's like it, it is really I'm so lucky. It's so rare to have like, you know, six books under cross contract <laughs> i'm gonna cry so much um but yes yeah, so it's, it is it is wild because they're also gonna interweave them so it's like Feybound's coming out before book three in the ending fire trilogy but we're not delaying anything so it's like we're actually just increasing the amount of of <laughs> real estate i'm gonna have in bookstores which is incredible it's really amazing and I, i'm i'm so grateful and i think honestly a lot of that you know fundamentally publishing is a business and i and i stand by that you know people make crazy decisions and it's all about how they can compare things and how they can how they want to sell things right that, that it is a business and it's not about 
fundamentally whether they like their <laughs> their authors but <laughs> i will say particularly from the us perspective they did not need to go in on this second trilogy they could absolutely have bowed out um you know i've done i've done well but it's not like i've you know earning back advances are very rare I am not going to be earning back that advance and that's okay. They're not expecting it to, but I think they had an op- opportunity to be quite cutthroat, not even cutthroat, just just be like, you know what, actually we won't, we won't offer you an option three years early. <laughs> you know, that's, that's fair. <laughs> right, right. That's absolutely very fair. Um, and I think a lot of that was to do with the strength of the relationship that I had with my editor oh. and that she could see that I was, growing as an author as well which which is great like as a, just in terms of talent like I, I feel every day like I'm getting better so um yeah it's it's been a wild year <laughs> and you can produce as well which I think is very valuable like just to have a reliable author from a publisher's perspective yeah. in your pocket who's like a fresh voice who's current with the demand for like the kinds of characters and themes in, in, in the fantasy genre too. I see it as a great partnership. So I'm glad that that's kind of both ways for you and it's working out so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but tell, I want to kind of like talk more about the battle drum specifically yeah. because this is a trilogy, mm-hmm. right? And you're writing the second book in the trilogy. And we had mentioned this while we were recording, right at the beginning that you had already kind of, had like a first draft ready to go when you had mm-hmm. pu- like published or, or sold the final strife. So um, I was just curious to like, as an author writing a fantasy trilogy, going into your second book, right? There's all these historical things of like the second book slump and like how to <laughs> trilogy and this yeah. and that. And then you went from having this idea for a long time to now having to produce it. You know, you released the final strife on your own time and now you have to produce the other two so what was the process like writing the battle drum and did any of your writing process change from like before sunday time sorry elarifi to after sunday times like was there any experience you transferred (laughs) over into the process like what was that experience like i suddenly became a diva no it's not not Your coffee order got a lot more complicated. After I know. That. Yeah. Um, uh, no, absolutely. I, that's such a such a great question. It is interesting because a lot of I had been warned about the second book syndrome, and um, a lot of the people that I'd spoken to about this had said, "Try and get your book two done before book one's out, because your relationship to writing will change once other people can read your books." And that was really interesting, actually. And it's true because as soon as people, you know, I'm, we, we briefly touched on social media. I have a really interesting <laughs> kind of relationship with social media because I spent so t- much time over the last decade before I became an author working in marketing. So social media, I know the ins and outs of, but I also have quite a distance from at the same time um, from from a personal perspective, which has been because because you get so many messages and it can be so overwhelming and a lot of those messages are editorial and it's interesting that readers and 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 I wish I could I could really you know go back and and change everything for every reader sometimes like you know you sometimes I'm like you know what maybe I should have done that um oh but it, it it is and I think that is that's what's so tough because creating a product is within your own, you know, you have a very limited collaboration. You have two editors and you, and sometimes your agent as well. And then all of a sudden you have 
thousands of readers who have their own opinions on what should have happened when, or on your writing quality, on on certain plot devices. And even when the majority is so positive, and I'm so grateful for those gorgeous comments that I get, even like, you know, something's sticking out, it's like, oh, you should have done this. And you're like, oh, maybe I should, you know, you start to doubt your own choices, but there's nothing you can do. Like the the book lives now, right? There's nothing you can do. (laughs) So it, it, it was definitely interesting then having finished the battle drum, the first draft anyway, and then kind of entering this relationship with readers. Um, it's it's just a re- it's just really strange because you're constantly confronted with work that you can never ever amend, but you are constantly suggested amends. Um, and so then you're trying to second guess them sometimes when you're writing the next manuscript. And so I was really glad that I did finish the battle drum beforehand because it just meant that I did everything that I wanted to do first. Right. And um and also I will say that I don't I don't generally listen or or read or engage with kind of the the, the feedback because it, it does just like you you start a spiral, right? You just like okay, Surely I'm the worst have. writer in the world. And I can't 100%. I can't get out of well, bed, you know, because it's so easy to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's funny with those Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, please. You go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, it's funny with those kind of uh, editorial reviews and stuff like that, because it's a tall can of worms and one person will say, oh, I absolutely love the, uh, like, the characters and the development. And then uh, the next person will say the exact opposite. And how do you please all the people all the time? Like, of course you can't. I know with our with our podcast, you know, we get reviews too. And I, I remember at one point I was seeing one person that wrote like, uh, great podcast with lightning fast pacing. And then someone right next to it was like, uh, oh, they took too long to get into anything. And it's like... <laughs> Exactly. It's so subjective. <laughs> right, right. Right. And I also it's find, so subjective. Yeah, I, I like it's interesting because Sara, you and I both have this marketing background, so I'm I'm always fascinated by it. And there's what people think they want where it's like, oh, these two characters should end up together or oh it's so cheesy that they ended up together but it's like is that what you really want you want me to basically yeah. write lord of the rings too <laughs> you know like i don't think you want that i think you want to be challenged yeah. a little bit consider things you weren't expecting like go yeah. new directions and you probably don't know what you want until you read it and that's what makes certain authors so popular because they're able to kind of bring that new experience that people didn't know they wanted because if you knew what you were going to enjoy from a book it it just wouldn't be enjoyable this is impossible because you see it all coming so it's like you got to take the good with the bad sometimes (laughs) yeah absolutely and so I, I am really pleased that I did then just like write the battle drum before like anything any relationship kind of happened in terms of just like being perceived (laughs) because that can be hard um and I had a blast like writing the battle drum was the best experience I've had in writing anything ever. Wow. It just was so much fun. Um because I I I made so many limitless decisions. I was like, okay, this is just create. Like I, I some of the magic systems that the new ones, I wasn't sure how they were gonna work. And so I was just like, just create, just do whatever you want. And that was so much fun. Um and yeah, I had a a really really great time actually just putting the characters through hell um (laughs) i I won't spoil anything but there's like there's a a whole section where kind of sila goes down for a little while and that was really 
really interesting because like, okay, so what do you do when a main character can't speak to the reader for a little while? Um, and that was, yeah, that was really fun to then go, huh, the only other character I have to play with here is John. And I don't know if I like him. <laughs> and actually, I then finished the series, finished that book and being like, he's one of my favourites. And it's, it's, yeah. it's just really, it was just the most fun I've ever had writing. Um, I just sequestered in my room and just wrote, I think I probably wrote it in six weeks as well. Um, wow. And it was a, a very rough frame. draft. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But it is, it is double the length of Feybound. But um, so I was doing long, long hours, but it was so much fun. And yeah, I I, I, I still think about it because I, I sat at this exact desk and just like, <laughs> yeah, um, before I, I knew anything. And, you know, I, I had no concept of success mm-hmm. in terms of from a publishing perspective. Um and so it was just like, ah, just doing this for me. Um, and yeah, I feel, I felt good about it. I knew that my writing had got better. I knew that the story had picked up. I knew that, I knew certain things about the book that I wasn't sure about with The Final Strife. Um, I just felt so much more confident as a writer. And when my editors, and you know, you're just waiting to see like, am I wrong? Am I totally wrong about this? This is a good book, is it? Is it? <laughs> and then when my editor said, um, you know, this is, you this you've absolutely smashed it and my edit notes were one page compared to the 17 pages I had for the first novel um what I knew then that this was a manuscript that I I had that like the joy of it had definitely gone onto the page and that's that's the main thing for me that's great to hear. Uh, you know, Dylan and I had the privilege of being able to read the battle drum in um, in anticipation mm-hmm. of of this interview, and you can tell that you know it's almost like the world just kind of totally opens up because yeah. you know the final right. strife kind of is framed around this contest, right? And there's it's X amount of days, and there's X amount of contests, and and the different people compete, and it's action-packed and it's fun and then book two comes around it's not like okay well harry potter has to now go to school for year two year three year four year five year six (laughs) yeah it's like nope they're done with that and now it's just boom it's like the whole story and and world just takes a huge opening up and and they're not as structured anymore and it's you know you can you're talking about the enthusiasm that you had for writing and then just kind of the the confidence that you've had from the first draft to, you know, getting your one page feedback and it, and it shows in the book because you really are pushing this world way further than um, it was um, brought up in book one. And we'll get into a spoiler section for book one in, in a few minutes here because there's so much we've wanted to talk about, uh, but mm-hmm. it, we don't want to spoil for anyone that hasn't read Final Strife yet. You still have some time, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, the one thing that we can say is that it's much more expansive and i was yeah. kind of curious yeah. like was that a like a did you have like a specific goal for book two like i'm going to show people more of the world i'm going to show people more of the magic system this and that were there any goals like that that you had going into a book two so so when i sold the trilogy i had no idea what book two and three was going to be honestly mm-hmm. very very honestly um mm-hmm. I knew that I had a kind of general direction, um, but when it came down to sitting down and actually writing book two, I and I'm not someone who plans at all, <laughs> and right. still did not plan with a lot with 
with book two, um, I had to, it, you had to kind of treat it as a two part book. You had to go, okay, so this is p- almost part one of the end. And that's how I had to approach it because otherwise it would become a filler book. And I didn't, I really just didn't want it to be a filler book. I needed so much of the story to happen in book two in order to prepare for book three, rather than it just being like a filler. Um, So I decided on the ending of the series and worked backwards. And I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I was like, okay, and I need to know exactly what's going to happen at the end of book two. And there were certain themes that I wanted to hit. There were certain I guess, um, concepts that I wanted to include um, when it came to stuff like the Tidewind, um, which we talk about in the spoiler stuff. Um, <laughs> but I, other than that, I was like, you just have fun. You do you. <laughs> That's a great approach. Yeah. And it, the fun that you're having definitely comes across. And I think... Uh, that's such an interesting way of framing it is as part one of the end like part yeah. one of two parts of the end rather than the middle because yes the middle exactly <laughs> opens it up to all of those potential second book slump problems but yeah. just got you out of that mindset entirely yeah definitely that's great well i know we've got about 10 minutes or so left so i want to make sure we get into the spoiler section yeah so, uh, dylan do you want to give one of your famous Spoiler warning, so we can ask more yeah. questions about the battle jump. Don't <laughs> sure. spoil so, warning guy on the show. Yeah, I gotta have some job on this show. So the, <laughs> the following section will be including spoilers for book one, the final strife, uh, but not book two, the battle drum. Uh, kind of give those folks who have read the final strife and are anticipating the soon release of the battle drum the chance to you know, get some sneak peeks without any uh, true spoilers while utilizing their great knowledge of The Final (laughs) Strife. So if you haven't yet read The Final Strife, now's a good time to turn this down in your headphones and go read The Final Strife. (laughs) Well said, Dylan. So let's jump right into it now. So The Final Strife ends with this big reveal, right, of loot and his his yellow blood. Yeah. Like, kind Mm -hmm. of the whole... Um, what you thought this magic system was set up to do and everything you assume from this class system is kind of busted wide open at the end of this book. Um, like, for picking up from the end of the final strife, like, how do you, like, what, for the magic system portion of it, like, was that, was this moment kind of in your head from the beginning? Like you said you started from the end and worked back with the trilogy, like this big moment, like it, the whole book is dedicated to expanding on that. Like how, how was yeah. that process? Like, why did you leave us with such a teaser for a year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. It's so funny as well. Cause I get so many like coded messages of people just like leaving like, yellow hearts or like (laughs) (laughs) can't believe you did that to me um (laughs) and oh I just I love twists so much like that they're I just love I love twists I I don't know if I can ever write a book without a twist Mm -hmm. um and I have this thing where I I kind of I I I hold I I have one twist that I want the reader to kind of figure out I give the reader like something and Mm -hmm. so with the final strife it was you know, if you if you were thinking about it and you were considering it, you probably clocked that perhaps the education education system 
was skewed towards embers and maybe everyone could blood blood work. You might have clocked that before mm. you figured that mm. out. Mm. Um, but then I always want one twist that no one sees coming. <laughs> right. And um, and so that's kind of my my secret formula to most things when it comes to writing the books. I always have one that I'm like, I'm seeding this throughout for someone to figure out, but then one that no one will figure out. And um, Luke having yellow blood was always from the beginning of of the tr- even writing the first word. I was like, this guy, this guy has some secrets. <laughs> and readers can rest easy in that it is explained and explored and developed in the battle drum. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all I'll say about that. But yes. it's interesting to see. And it's a clever way, too, of utilizing the magic system where it's presented in a very structured way of like, OK, there's red and there's blue and there's clear. And you're like, okay, I got it. Red, blue, yep. clear. And then like the thematics of the social hierarchy makes sense. But then you just like throw the wrecking ball of yellow in the mix. And then <laughs> the whole second book. Right. It's a fascinating way of kind of, you know, keeping readers on their toes and also kind of testing your own magic system in such a way. Did you find it challenging to introduce new systems or, or hold back and like present that narrowed point of view that we get through most of the final stripe? What was that process like of developing all these different blood colors? Yeah. So I think I will say when it comes to the magic system and the new magic system in the battle drum, which I won't talk about, but I will Mm. say that was very difficult to, um, to pin down actually, because I had to, it's it's so difficult when you're thinking about how, you know, if you've read the final strife, you'll know that there's a voyage happening and they're going to the mainland. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. to then create a culture that has the elements, that has, you know, has ability to do magic, but how would they have created it if they never spoke? How would they deal with it if they never actually were one which was really really difficult like there was no trade routes they could never speak how do those cultures diverge was really difficult because Mm -hmm. you lean into the tropes of what you've already created and i was like okay so there are wardens no there are no wardens you know it it was really interesting like having to challenge my own kind of constructs that i'd made in in Mm -hmm. in a different world um and that's where it got really fun but it also was like you need to keep challenging yourself. And that's that's a fundamentally like my whole aim with the trilogy, isn't it? Because it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's this there's this system in place where blood colour means this. But actually, lol, that's not true. Um, <laughs> this is just a tool of power. And I think that obviously is quite parallel to a lot of things that, in our world where everything is ultimately a tool of power. And I think... Um, Figuring out how that differed between two worlds that were so politically different as well was interesting. That's, and like, it sounds like that decision to challenge yourself and and challenge the magic system and the story was very clear from the beginning, something that you wanted to do. And you didn't stop there. Or yellow from the beginning. (laughs) It didn't stop there, though, because you continued to keep laughing. (laughs) Sorry. You need to get some yellow hearts. I like that. We're quoting that. Um, but you also challenge your relationships with your two main characters, Anor yeah. and, and Shyla, which was, you know, by the end of the final strife, they've developed this relationship and it was a huge part of the book. And then this book kicks off again. Expansion is the word of the day when we're talking about 
battle drum in a spoiler free sense but they kind of they start the book kind of going in separate directions what was that decision like like you just got these characters together everyone's happy and now yeah. you're like okay <laughs> goodbye <laughs> like yeah well, let's see what these characters can do now that you know they're together it was it was really difficult actually because the, there is the the tendency to like kind of just keep them happy keep them together mm-hmm. keep them in one space um and ultimately, like, yeah, I've spent so long developing this relationship that you want to be on the page. Um, but just from a plot perspective, they needed to be, they needed to yeah. be separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that posed, that posed quite a challenge in terms of the narrative, because you're like, well, why have I set this relationship up, right? Why did I do that if I'm just going to go, oh, you know what, they're not going to be together right now. Um, and so what that required me to do actually this was a lot of the editing process was ensuring that there was a thread connecting them emotionally even though they were in different spaces so mm. it was to keep that kind of anchor because ultimately those two are the heart and soul of the book right there's so much oh, of their yeah. relationship is yeah it's an anchor and so I needed to keep tethering it back so um there's some really lovely moments where it almost feels like they're together because they're either <laughs> imagining the other one or they're thinking about the other one and um those were really beautiful but also like heart-wrenching because I was like oh <laughs> yeah you're not actually together but um it makes their their the final the, the last book uh pretty powerful yeah, that's all I'm gonna say yeah, to see where, <laughs> yeah, where you yeah. go with all of that and I'll also yeah. I'll say it does feel like one of those moments that uh, you and Charles were talking about before where it's like uh, there's the thing that the readers can sometimes think they want and right like we are rooting for I know I was rooting for and I'm sure many others like mm-hmm. the happy Anor and Sila like all right now they're together but it's like stories are made of conflict and these and yeah. tension and uh, you need some of it, especially in a book too. We'll see where things go in book three and the extent to which uh, these conflicts and tensions are resolved in what way and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think it, you do a great job of creating uh, that tension and that uh, distance while, like you're saying, uh, you can tell how much the two care about each other because they are constantly thinking about each other in the way that like when you have a, a crush on someone or when you have like especially yeah. just a like budding relationship, right? Like they they just gone together and that should be this honeymoon phase where all you can yeah. think about is the other person and they are kind of in that phase but they don't get to be together during it so yeah i think but, it's but very the, realistic the world is written. ending yeah. right there, there's also that but sometimes <laughs> it feels like the only thing you can think about despite all those stakes yeah. are the are the other person when you're in that stage so yeah uh, very well written uh oh, the, thank you the, the the psych person in me definitely appreciated the, the way all that went down absolutely and you know i think you know fans of your work Sara and even like in your own write-up these kinds of relationships are super important to you, the way you tell stories and why you write so the fact that we're getting to see for the most part this relationship is at the center of these of this conflict even if they're not necessarily physically together at the beginning of the book is a good challenge and I can already you know you're talking about how you got edits from fans through social media on the first book. I can only imagine everyone's going to have opinions, but I think that that is a good sign because as yeah. long as they're getting worked up, whether they like it or not, in my opinion, it, it is a good yeah. sign. And as much as the final strife and the ending fire series is like an adventure story, to me, it's also a great like 
relationship story and trying to bring like a fresh new relationship into the fantasy genre can be yeah. challenging sometimes but I, I i feel like you know given that the way you market yourself and your bio like that's a huge component of of why you write and i was wondering if you could give us a little bit more as we you know wrap up on time here um you're like why the kind of relationship particularly of anor and shala but throughout the book yeah. lots of relationships in this book why that's such a forefront of of the series yeah, absolutely. I think um, it was always, the novel was always going to be queer normative. It was something that was really important to me. Um, I, I did approach the world building of the final strife really from like a an inter intersectional perspective, but I made the decision that gender and sexuality was going to be accepted and celebrated and just not even remarked upon in, in, in yeah. a way. Um, mm -hmm which is really difficult to then translate when you're writing a novel into our world, because ultimately if gender is, is not an issue, everyone would be they, them, right? It wouldn't, if, if gender didn't exist as a construct, mm. <laughs> there would be no presentation of gender, which is really difficult when you're, you're trying to create a queer normative gender positive world. It's, it's really difficult to then actually convey that. <laughs> right, um right. So that was that was something that meant a lot to me, and that was something that I wanted to ensure was threaded throughout. Um, because there is so much hurt and pain in this novel, it was a lot about, you know, coming to terms with a lot of my identity, um, things that I'd experienced, you know, translating that into a fantasy world, racism, colorism, um, just having that that happiness through queer normativity was really important to keeping me sane <laughs> as I wrote the book. Um, I think I'm really, I really love a particular relationship that happens in book two, hmm. um, which is going to be tough. Um, but I, I really, I really <laughs> loved that, and that was always planned from the beginning. Um, that was kind of seeded throughout, and yeah, it was. It's, it's just, it's the story of my heart. You know, there's so much of it is me on the page, and not from the characters' perspective because they're a hot mess. Although I am a hot mess, but. <laughs> Um, but just from a, you know, a world building perspe perspective, it was, it's really important to me to have, yeah, that, that kind of queer normativity and, you know, um, yeah, Hass is my girl, my trans woman. I absolutely love her. Um, yeah, I, I worked really hard on creating a, a piece of joy. And that for me was that in the, in the series. Definitely create a piece of joy, but not unwilling you, you don't pull your punches either i'll say uh, and I, I won't say any more specifics uh, on that to keep from spoiling yeah. anything in the battle drum but yeah it's, it is that. yeah book two that it, it is tough i had a i had a reader actually come up to me um the other day and i was just joking around and they said you know what happened in book three but don't really tell me and before they kind of said don't really tell me and i was i was joking i said oh everyone dies um and <laughs> Uh, she burst into tears. And oh, no, no, she said, oh, wait, no. Sila and Anor? I said, yeah, they die. Uh, and, um, <laughs> he doubled down. <laughs> and, and she burst into tears. Aww. Which was really cruel. Oh, and no. then I had to be like, no, they don't. Or do they? I actually haven't hey. finished yet, so I can't, you know. And then she's like, I don't know if you're joking or not. I was like, she was like, I'm going to pretend. And then she said, it's my birthday. And I thought, oh, God. Um, oh. So anyway... It was, made them cry uh, on their birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's, a yeah, great, that, that's the back of the book kind of thing, you know. Sara made me cry on my birthday for <laughs> writing, you know. I think that's a, an endorsement, yeah. if anything else. Imagine making someone cry from a made-up thing you wrote. That's a very powerful yeah, thing to be able yeah. to do. <laughs> I think they're they're going to be more tears with book two. So <laughs> I I anticipate that, and um, I'm, I'm curious to see what you bring us to in book three in about six weeks, right? And we can yeah, <laughs> we can start to see. Uh, it is due in shelves. six weeks. So. <laughs> oh wow, that's the magic that's like, number. Yeah, I was going to say that's your magic number. <laughs> so we we look forward to that and you know we we know you're, you're very busy and the book comes out in like five days at the time of this recording i think it'll come out this book this episode will come out probably on a day before the book comes out on tuesday yeah. so amazing um, a very busy time so we'll let you get back to um beating that drum so to speak yeah. <laughs> but well we would love to have you back we have so many questions i feel like we've only scraped the iceberg but thank you so much for Scrape. the time that you were Scrape. able to give us at the beginning of this <laughs> yes you like yeah. that little kind of phrase thank you so much guys the battle drum releases may 23rd go check it out and check out the final stripe as well and don't forget about Feybound coming out shortly we're looking forward to everything sar has it and who knows like if it's last year's any indicator we check in next year it's gonna be who knows all, <laughs> all kinds of craziness going on in in sarah's life but we're here for it so sar thank you so much for coming so thank you so much for having me guys i can't <laughs> wait to come back all right thank you guys for listening we're looking forward to it. yes we are looking forward to it check out again battle drum can't say that enough and uh, as always uh, go forth and conquer friends <laughs> <laughs>